Hello, and welcome to the Pandemic Puppy Podcast, brought to you by Journey Dog Training and the Pandemic Puppy Raising Support Group over on Facebook. I'm your host, Kayla Fratt, and I'm super excited to be here with you. We are covering puppy raising right from the start on this podcast, and although I'm a professional dog trainer, this is my first time raising a puppy too, so I am right in the trenches with you on the good, the bad, the cute, and the stinky. Today, we are talking to my dear friend, Marissa Martino, about puppy blues. So Marissa runs her behavior consulting business, Pause and Reward, in Boulder, Colorado. She is passionate about supporting behavior change and enhancing relationships for dogs, their people, and others. When working with clients, Marissa introduces her six relationship-building principles in order to enhance the training process and the relationship between the dog and the pet parent. Her mission is to cultivate awareness so that pet parents can see their active role in their interactions with their dog, and her hope is that this awareness expands to the other relationships in their lives. She is the host of the Pause and Reward podcast and the author of The Human-Canine Behavior Connection, A Better Self Through Dog Training. Marissa's current projects include the Lima Beings, or Lima Beings, Mm -hmm. which is an online course and membership site developed with co-founders Barry Finger, Dr. Chris Pockle, Kathy Sadeo, and Lynn Unger, which is dedicated to exploring the application of our canine behavior knowledge into our human relationships. And Marissa is working on the Connection Summit with Sarah Streming, which is a series of online conversations where they discuss topics that prioritize the human-canine relationship for successful behavior change. You can find both of those offerings over on pauseandreward.com under online programs. As a reminder, before- <laughs> <laughs> I know it's always. I feel like it's always awkward to hear someone else uh, reading your bio. You I'm sound so impressive. You, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 you don't even sound impressive. You are impressive. No, oh, thanks, <laughs> um, So before we get started, um, quick reminder that this podcast is supported by our members on Patreon. For three bucks a month, you can support this podcast and get extra perks like submitting questions for us to tackle at the end of each episode over at patreon.com slash pandemic puppy. All right, Marissa, welcome to the podcast. And today, today, you and I are talking about puppy blues and bonding with your puppy. Um, And when I was kind of thinking through this topic, you were absolutely the first person I thought of um, as far as, (laughs) um, which is funny because I don't know if you've ever really... You've never had a puppy, a puppy puppy. Sully was six a puppy puppy, yeah. Yeah, Sully was six months old when you got him? Six months old. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I mean, honestly. Totally different. As having a six-month-old, he's still a puppy. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's not the same as an eight-week-old. Um, so, why don't we start out talking a little bit about what puppy blues is, and then I know we've got, we've got kind of five principles of working through the puppy blues. Um, but why don't we kind of start out with a definition so that people know what we're talking about? Yeah, so I think when when I was thinking about how how are we defining puppy blues, and I I, I also want to hear what what you think as well. I was thinking about the 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 common emotions that come up for people like overwhelm, stress, frustration, sadness, just just this this constant state of I have this baby mammal living in my house. And it's a lot and there's so much to do and I want to do it right. And I've got all these emotions at any given moment and I'm on very little sleep and it just becomes this, this sort of state that, um, can, can really damage, I think your mental health, it can also damage your relationship with your puppy. Mm -hmm. Um, and most of the time I see my clients go down these shame spirals where they're just, they, they want to do it really, really well, and they're really overwhelmed. They are on uh, they like they 
the frustration's really high, and then they get frustrated with their dog and react poorly, and then they get upset with themselves for doing that. I mean, it is just this mm-hmm. cyclical thing that um, some days it's probably worse than others, right? Just depending on of all of the situation that's happening. So that's what I was thinking, sort of like just sort of the overwhelm. It's the complete opposite of like the amazing joy that a puppy can bring to your life as well. It's just sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, when I kind of think through what the puppy blues could be, I, I, I've got kind of two different definitions. One being very mm-hmm. similar to yours, of just kind of this, this pretty common overwhelm and stress um, mm-hmm. that comes with puppy raising. And I would say, like, whenever I, you know, if I was thinking about someone who I would consider needing extra help with puppy blues is when it's really actually harming their, their lives or their relationship with their puppy, Mm -hmm. um, versus kind of like, like, I wouldn't say that when I got Niffler, I really struggled much with puppy blues. Um, the only, uh, you know, you know, I just, I, there were definitely times where I felt tired and overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and stressed, but, um, not, not as much as I had expected, and it didn't really affect my quality of life or my relationship with him. Granted, I also was unemployed at the time that I, he was really young, so I wasn't having to deal with work on top of everything else, which is probably yeah. um, a big help in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only thing that I, I still sometimes think about with Niffler is I miss the one-on-one stuff with Barley, my my other dog, yes, because Niffler, yes. Niffler definitely has a lot of big feelings about affection, um, and he likes cuddling a lot more than Barley does, and uh, we often say he's got FOMO, um, so just like any interaction <laughs> I try to have with Barley, Niffler like zooms over at 100 miles an hour, body slams Barley out of the way, and then is like licking the inside of your nose. Um, yeah. So it's really hard to have those moments with Barley, and I actually think... I, I'm really looking forward to uh, like putting Niffler at a puppy sitter occasionally and just taking Barley myself for like a weekend of camping or like, you know, taking them out alone more. Um, and then, okay. So that was, <laughs> that was a tangent um, of course, cause we love tangents here. And then the other kind of <laughs> definition of puppy puppy blues that I would have would be a little bit more related to this, like, it's 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 related, but I would say deeper and a little different where it's just this like deep feeling of like ambivalence or not bonding with your puppy mm-hmm. and just this kind like of like, apathy. yeah, this apathy, this ambivalence, this like, I don't. And I think a lot of times that still comes with the shame from people being like, I don't love this puppy. I don't love mm-hmm. puppy raising. I don't find joy in this. Is this the right dog for me? am I a bad person? What's wrong with mm-hmm. me? Why don't I love this puppy? What's wrong with this puppy? Maybe I should return it. Maybe I should never have a dog again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wherever, wherever that could go. Um, but I think a lot of times I, I would categorize that as separate, you know, it's not just stress yeah. from puppy raising, but it's actually this, like, I don't know if I like this. It's like disconnect and sadness. It sounds yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah. And well, there's, there's something that you mentioned about Niffler and Barley. There's, um, it sounds to me like there's also this level of grief, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where you're, you're, 
you're grieving the the time alone with barley or your or somebody that has one dog they just got a new puppy you're sort of grieving your freedom like all mm-hmm. of that is just really normal mm-hmm. so all of these emotions are really 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 normal i think that that's one of the main takeaways that i or one of the main messages i would like folks to hear today is that like these emotions regardless if you're a trainer regardless if you're a pet parent like this is normal uh, mm-hmm. whether you're saying it's ranging from like apathy to overwhelm to I want to get this right to perfectionism, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like all, all of those things is part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends on your environment. Like you were just saying, I was actually going to ask you if you went into puppy raising with the mentality, like, okay, Kayla, you're probably going to get overwhelmed. <laughs> you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you went into that and if that helped you versus, some people are just so overwhelmed with like the excitement of a puppy that they sort of forget to prepare themselves that like with the excitement along comes the challenge. Right. Yeah. And so I'm curious to know if you, what your mindset was when you got him? Yeah, I think I knew I was nervous about doing puppy raising. Um, so I mm-hmm. think that helped, you know, I was, I was nervous about it. I knew it was going to be a lot of work. I've watched and helped clients through puppy raising before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of that helps. And then I know one of the big things that I, that helped a lot again for me was just knowing from having helped clients through puppy raising and actually through talking to Ursa, our good friend Ursa, mm-hmm. um, she said something really smart back on one of our, um, I don't remember one of the canine conversations podcasts about, you know, like no matter what it is, whether it's good or bad, everything is kind of a phase when you're dealing with baby animals Mm -hmm. um, and teenage Mm -hmm. animals and kind of keeping that in my head was really helpful and knowing that everything was likely to be temporary where I did still really struggle then, um, which I think is really common for dog trainers or behavior consultants or anyone who's had a really difficult dog. Um, was any time that I noticed something in Niffler that could be a temperament concern for him in the long run, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that freaked me out. I had a really, really hard time emotionally with like any, like our first puppy kindergarten, he was like in my lap, didn't want to interact with any of the other puppies, um, you know, like wanted to climb up my shoulder and cry um, for the first 20 mm-hmm. minutes of that class. Um And I just remember, like, coming home from that class and just being like, oh, my God, what if I have a dog who doesn't like other dogs? And Mm -hmm. then, you know, like, one time, you know, he barked at a kid. And I was like, oh, my God, what if my dog, like, hates kids? And just, like, any time he did anything like that that could be kind of – that I construed as indicative of, like, a longer-term temperament concern. I had a really, really Mm -hmm. hard time with that versus normal puppy stuff like potty training and chewing and biting and barking and – you know, a struggling with alone time, like all of that, I was totally like, I'm a hundred percent confident I can deal with that. Like a hundred percent of the clients I've worked through um, these issues with have actually resolved them, especially with puppies, which I can't say about most of the other behavior issues I've worked with, but like a hundred percent of the puppies I've helped potty train have ultimately ended up potty trained. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so I just didn't, I didn't feel like it, it stressed me out nearly as much. Yeah. I think, gosh, it's like the more, you know, right. The Mm -hmm. more, you know, the like ignorance is bliss. There's a reason Mm -hmm. why that there is a statement like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have definitely, um, 
you, you know, as, as you know, I have Sully, he's 12 and a half. We have made the decision to not add a second dog for many, many reasons. And it was, um, very much the right choice. He's very happy with that choice. And, um, I, my next dog, I really want to do the eight week old puppy experience. And Scott and I have had my partner. We have had many conversations about like, how I'm going to prepare myself emotionally to not lose, like to not get so wrapped up in trying mm-hmm. to do it really well. Um, yeah. So a lot of this podcast is really directed to me. <laughs> like all the things I'm going to say are like reminders. Because, yeah. You'll have to listen um, to this in a couple of years. <laughs> to listen to, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, it's especially us trainers, like the more we know, it, it, it can be really, really great. And sometimes it can be really, really challenging because we, we sort of like make everything an event, right? Mm-hmm. Like the barking at the kid, instead of just being like, we're okay, no problem. Instead of now you're going to do a whole protocol and like start to expose them around kids. Like it might've just been the one moment and mm-hmm. let's make sure to keep an eye on it. And if it increases in frequency, then let's address it. Right. But instead of um, really getting so hung up on it. I can, I can almost anticipate seeing myself do that and having mm-hmm. to like rein myself in like, you're okay. Yeah. So I hear yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I don't know. I, we, we empathize. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about some of the reasons that this puppy blues happens, you know, this is a phenomenon for a reason. There are kind of consistent things that happen with puppy raising, uh, mm-hmm. that can contribute to this. So what are some of the the causes? Yeah. I mean, I, when I thought about this question, I was thinking about, you know, all my clients and what sends them into the uh, state of overwhelm and it, it, it changes for a lot of people, but I do think number one is lack of sleep mm. or like um, interrupted sleep. They're just Mm -hmm. not getting good sleep because the puppy's either waking up or, um, you know, they have to take them outside to go potty or whatever that looks like. So there's not really great sleep and, uh, sleep is essential (laughs) to Mm -hmm. uh, us living and living really healthy lives. And so if we're not getting good sleep, I think that that is, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't underestimate that that really contributes to this sort of brain fog. Um, the, I think for some pet parents, it's a lack of schedule. Um, I think Mm. it's, it's really interesting. I have a lot of clients even before COVID, um, I see a lot of, um, puppy clients. They love working with puppies and there's a lot of people that work from home that I feel like they're always around the puppy and they don't have a schedule because they're just available. And I find that those particular puppies, this is all anecdotal from my experience that those particular puppies like get house trained, um, slower and they, um, cannot tolerate being separate because the person's always home and the person's always available to take them out to go to the bathroom. They're not building bladder control versus somebody that actually goes into the mm-hmm. office and like leaves for a few hours. Like the puppy gets used to being alone. They, um, make sure to provide enrichment, um, an exercise before they leave, mm-hmm. they leave them in a pen. There is this really, uh, good schedule that I find that when people work out of the house, they create out of necessity. And then when people are working from home, 
they don't necessarily. I had one recent puppy client. She was retired woman, incredible schedule keeper. Like I started working with her. She didn't work and she had that puppy on his schedule. Like it was really, really incredible. So he got really deep sleep. He was really rested. He um, could be away from her while she was in the house. Like all these really great Mm -hmm. skills that we sort of take for granted um, that are necessary, even as, as um, an adult dog, right? Mm -hmm. Like learning how to be in the house separate away from somebody for some reason. Um, So yeah, so I think sometimes a lack of schedule and then that lack of schedule, they are feeling like they are chained to the puppy and, uh, you know, responding to the puppy's every whim. And so I think that that can be, um, challenging as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's exhausting. I've seen the exact same thing with helping some people through the pandemic puppy racing is, uh-huh. yeah, it kind of feels like, and I, I, I see a lot of parallels to what I've heard from friends who have friends or family who have had to transition to being stay at home parents with their kids during the pandemic mm-hmm. and just, yeah, being, being at the mercy of your, your child or your puppies, every mm-hmm. whim um, and trying to figure out how to build those boundaries in. And in a lot of ways, work schedules generally force that upon us, which, you know, has our, its downsides as well, but, for sure. um, but yeah, schedules are so, so, so important. And we outlined a lot, uh, a big schedule, uh, kind of idea for, um, for our listeners with our episode with, uh, Sarah Dixon. So we'll make sure to, uh, drop that into the show oh, notes awesome. as well. That's so great. Um, like a few other things I wanted to bring up is obviously the conditions of the situation is going, is going to impact our behavior and their behavior. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm just thinking about like some of my puppy clients that, um, that do not work, right. That, Mm -hmm. that actually have this space and time and are still overwhelmed. Um, and then I'm thinking about my puppy clients that, that do have to work, whether it's in the house or out of the house. Um, And so how those conditions or whether or not you have kids, right? You've got what is on your plate at any given moment with that puppy. I always say that when, when we get our puppy, I'm going to need to take like three months off of life, (laughs) just focus on the puppy, which is not realistic at all. Right. But it is, I very much have this, um, thought process about like, yeah, I'm going to need to make a a significant shift in order to create Mm -hmm. space for the puppy and create space for myself. Um, so I think we're going to get to that later. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, just a few other things in terms of what I hear from puppies or sorry, what I hear from pet parents (laughs) is that like, there's this, they have so much to do. They know socialization is important. They want to teach them life skills. They, we've got puppy mouthing. We've got, you know, house training. We've got all the things. It's like a laundry list of things to do in this short period of time. And so that can be overwhelming. And then we, and then if we're working with someone that like wants to get it right, Mm -hmm. their perfectionism might take over. Mm -hmm. And then I also hear, you know, pet parents that, that have an older dog or even just like a seven-year-old dog or their, their senior dog passed away and they got a puppy. Mm -hmm. They are like, oh my gosh, the last time I did this was 10 years ago. I was 10 years younger and this is really hard, right? So they have this sort of comparison 
maybe about a previous dog and what that experience was like, but also mm -hmm. a comparison to like the dog that they have currently or, or the dog that passed away and their experience right now and is really, really dramatic and drastic. And I think that that can be really hard as well. So the conditions for sure, lack of sleep schedule, all of that. But I think the mindset uh, is also super important here and why it or how it can contribute to the puppy blues. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know it's already something that I know I joked about this with Barley before I got um, any other dog was just that like, man, any other dog I've got after Barley has a tough, tough job to follow, follow yeah. him because he's just been so so perfect for me in so many ways. And then even Niffler, mm -hmm. like, honestly, Niffler has been a really easy puppy. Um, and I have really good friends who are really into dog training, who have had a much harder time housebreaking their puppies or just really mm -hmm. nippy or nervous or whatever it is. And, um, you know, honestly, like Niffler is currently working through some stranger danger. So I think the episode before this one is going to be about, about stranger danger, um, or mm -hmm. a couple episodes before this, I'm not sure yet. Um, but otherwise, you know, like he really, and the stranger danger didn't pop up until he was like five months old. And I'm sure it's just, yeah, I socialized. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't socialize as well as I could have or should have. Um, I thought I was doing enough and I wasn't. Um, but yeah. And I think actually, and this, uh, this is a preemptive for, you know, the next question is how can we give ourselves grace? And I know one of the things that I have found solace in when I've been getting stressed about Niffler is kind of going back to, and not everyone has this privilege with their puppy, but going back to the fact that I know, he's got solid genetics. I know mm -hmm. he was raised well by his breeder. I know that the the bones are there for him to be okay eventually. And that is not a guarantee. And again, I know not everyone has that with their puppy because their puppy may have come from a less fortunate situation than Niffler. Mm -hmm. um, but finding things like that to just give yourself space to work on it and feel optimistic about things um, mm -hmm. can be, can be so relieving and just, you know, it's just because lying awake at 1130 at night, stressing about your puppy doesn't help anyone sitting down and making a plan can, but, but that like rumination doesn't. And I've found yeah. a lot of, a lot of, um, peace in reminding myself that like you know most dogs are normal that is like one of my mantras <laughs> like most mm -hmm. dogs are normal most dogs are okay and and I know that he came from a good place and that he's got good genetics and you know and, and I'm a and, and I'm a good trainer so like you know we should be okay yeah. so <laughs> yeah. we should be <laughs> yeah I I, I think well I totally have faith and I think it's so funny I love that mantra most most dogs what did you say? Most dogs are, what did you say? Most dogs are normal. <laughs> That's oh, yeah, all normal. it is. Yeah. I mean, that was something that came up. So Marissa and I met at Denver Dumb Friends League on the behavior team. Marissa was my boss there. And um, it was something I had to remind myself every time I went home from that job because I would spend all day working yeah. exclusively with like dozens of dogs with like bite histories or major stranger danger or yeah. both or <laughs> you know uh and then yeah. i would go home and uh, you know run into a dog at the park or see a dog on a patio and i would feel myself tensing up and i would feel myself watching this yeah. dog like a hawk and paying attention to their respiration and the flare in their whiskers and i would just have to be like <laughs> kayla like oh my gosh he's fine yeah most dogs are normal you just spend so much time around dogs that yes aren't yes 
Yes, I agree with you a thousand percent. That yeah. is definitely the product of working in a shelter environment too, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what are some of your tips for helping helping people, puppy raisers, give themselves grace and and feel okay as they're working through the puppy blues? Yeah, so I think um, one is prioritizing taking care of yourself. And I'm going to talk Mm -hmm. about a few different examples of what that looks like. Um, But I think what I want to say about relationships in general, and I'm going to give Dr. Pockle a shout out because he and I were talking about this and we were talking about this. um, We were talking about puppies in particular. and I was telling him about this podcast and we were just talking about relationships in general, um, relationships with, with our loved ones and relationships with our dogs. And how I like to think about it is there, there's me, there's Sully, and then there's our relationship. So mm-hmm. I have to make sure that I am giving myself the enrichment, the care, the, the support that I need. I have to make sure I'm doing the same thing for Sully in order to support the relationship, right? So mm-hmm. it's like taking care of us as individuals so that our relationship can, can thrive. I used to think about it more so like, I just got to focus on the relationship, heal the relationship, do all the things for the relationship. And I, it almost becomes like when you focus on meeting the needs of yourself and, and, and the other, right. Whether Mm -hmm. it's your dog, whether it's your puppy, whether it's your uh, sister, whether it's your loved one, when you focus on trying to meet the needs of yourself and the other, the relationship thrives. And so it's sort of like a byproduct of that. So I, I, what I want to say is that everybody who's listening has complete permission to take care of yourself mm-hmm. as much as you're taking care of your puppy. Mm-hmm. So that might mean, and this is something that I'm a hundred percent incorporating into my, um, puppy, uh, sessions now is, okay, great. We've got the puppy mouthing plan. We've got the enrichment plan. Okay. What is your break? Like, what is your break from this puppy look like? Yeah. Um, are, are you like, are you going away for the weekend with friends or, um, are, how are you exercising or, Mm -hmm. um, are you going to drop this puppy off at a friend's house? Like it's almost at this point becoming a mandatory thing that I incorporate, not because, I mean, some people might need it more, more than others, but I don't think people are giving themselves enough permission to take that break away from their puppy, whether it's an hour, whether it's a day or whether it's a weekend, because they're so fixated on making sure that they're doing everything. They're focused on the puppy and then they lose sight of themselves. And that break can sometimes be so rejuvenating to that, that, that apathy that you were talking about in the beginning, Mm -hmm. right. Where, where you're just like, I don't, I don't feel connected. It's like, yeah, no problem. Like take a break get some space and see if you still feel that way. And then maybe we can, you know, unpack that or tease that out and determine if this is the right thing for you. Mm -hmm. But taking that break, I think is so critical. And I have seen a lot of positive happen from that, um, with my clients. So I think the breaks, they've got to be there. Absolutely. I think that some people get it when they go to work, but I'm actually talking more about like a break that is, um, that's an actual that break. Really, like, yeah, that is like filling you up. So however you get filled up, like yeah. go do that and do that away from the puppy. Um, that could be really supportive to the relationship. 
Absolutely. And I know that's something that is that can be really challenging through the pandemic. You know, previously, mm-hmm. if I'd gotten Niffler a year and a half ago, two years ago now, mm-hmm. um, I would have been getting breaks to go to my salsa classes. Um, I'm mm-hmm. an avid salsa dancer. And I would have been getting breaks when I went to bar trivia. And I would have mm-hmm. had these these natural breaks from him that I think as we're raising puppies through the pandemic, a lot of us have to be more intentional about not all of us because some of us still have some of these outlets. And I know with Niffler, I think I'd had him for like two days before I was like, I need to go for a run, you know, and like Barley and I just need to go and we're going together. Just the two of us, we get a break from Niffler and, and I at first felt really guilty about that. And then it's such Mm -hmm. a good reminder too, to, to remember that like, you know, again, I was unemployed at the time or, you know, for a lot of our clients they are working from home. Like you can take a couple hours to go for a hike or a run without your puppy. If that's what's filling up to you and you're not neglecting them, because again, remember if you got this puppy two years ago, you would be leaving them for work all the time. And I, I do think for our clients that work out of the home and are leaving the puppy alone together, it actually, this aspect might be a little bit more challenging because I know when I spend a full day away from my dogs, I struggle a lot with guilt if I end up leaving them alone again. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, maybe using your network to have someone else help take care of your puppy for you is going to be the best option rather than just leaving your puppy alone again while you go and take yeah. care of yourself. Yeah. And you bring up a really good point in terms of like, how can you ask for help? And I think that that's not something that we're like our culture, we're really individualized. We, we got to do everything on our own. And, um, I had one client the other day say to me, which this sort of made my whole year. She was like, wow, you always ask for help. Like there's like a village surrounding us, right? There's like Mm -hmm. other trainers. There's a, the veterinary behaviorist, there's the veterinarian. She's like, you've got this like village around us. It's really showed me that like, I can ask for help. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, like that is incredible that if that's what you learned from me to ask for help, like that's awesome. And I, uh, you know, that is just a reminder that how can you ask for help, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a, a friend, like expanding your network in a safe way during the pandemic um, to make sure that you are getting that like 20 minutes sitting in the sun doing nothing or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> just something to fill yourself up. Um, I think is, is really important if you can create that space for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> the, the two other things that I wanted to bring up that we have been touching on throughout is really making sure that we have the right mindset. So, um, I love what Ursa said. And, uh, in terms of that, everything is a phase. Actually, one of my clients said that to me at one point, she goes, you know what? The more I get like wrapped up in what I need to do, the more I start to go like, yeah, but like, remember this isn't an issue this week and last week it was and so on and so forth. Right. So Mm -hmm. she helped herself saying that like, Hey, this isn't linear. And this is like, there are cyclical, there's a cyclical nature of all this stuff and nothing Mm -hmm. remains the same. Um, things are changing all the time, sometimes for the better. And so just trust in that. Um, and then also know that like, you're not going to get everything done that you want and that you're going to make mistakes and that you're going to have all the negative feelings and all of the negativity that we had talked about in the beginning. Like that is, that is inevitable. Um, and from a perfectionist 
myself or recovering professionals <laughs> um, that really tries to make sure that I organize everything to prevent any negativity. Mm-hmm. I have really been working on going like, oh, wow, there's that thing that I knew to expect. Like, this is really frustrating. So what, I, what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to breathe through it. What is it that I need right now? What is it that, that my dog needs right now? Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Right. So it's just having the mindset that it's going to happen. And when it cu- pops up, it will be less scary when it does pop up. Um, and you will, it's almost like you could use that level of overwhelm or frustration as a cue to remind yourself to take a break or ask the question, what do I need? What does the puppy need? Is that conflicting, right? Are the answers to those Mm -hmm. questions conflicting? Who can I ask for help? How can I, how can I get what I need and and also deliver what the puppy needs? Right. So using that, that overwhelm as a cue for you to pause and figure out, okay, what's my next step? Absolutely. Instead of losing it and projecting it onto your puppy, going down the shame spiral, it's like none of that's going to be helpful at all. This podcast is supported by the Puppy Raising Blueprint course, which you can find at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint. In this course, which is partnered between Journey Dog Training and Canine of Mine, I guide you through everything from common problem behaviors like biting and potty training to the humane hierarchy of dog training. It's always available on a self-study basis at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint. As a new puppy owner, I know how often we're cleaning up. While there's no replacement for management, supervision, and training, Clean Carl's has my back for the times that I slip up and Niffler has an accident. Clean Carl's pet mess products get rid of stains and odors from dog poop and cat pee and everything in between without any added scents so your house won't smell like poop or cleaning products. Plus, they're safe to use around both pets and kids. Next time your furry friend has an accident, try Clean Carl's pet mess zapper and remover. Use the code JOURNEY10 and get 10% off your first order. Just head over to cleancarls.com and use code JOURNEY10 at checkout. Yeah. And I actually, I'm going to jump in with a little story about that um, from last night, actually. So I have a little group of friends in Missoula that's meeting up, that's been meeting up for just a little like in town hike or walk almost every week um, Mm -hmm. lately. And um, so we met up last night and we went to a trailhead that I'd never been to before. And I brought both dogs and 90% of the trails in and around Missoula are off-leash friendly, so it just didn't even occur to me. Uh, This trail was not off-leash friendly, um, so there was a leash law in place, and it was pretty close to a road. So even if I had wanted to (laughs) break the leash law, it just wasn't safe to. Um, And I was feeling really tired and just had already kind of been not totally sure if I wanted to meet up with the group this week. Um, but I did anyway, and then I got there, and it was on leash, and I didn't have enough treats to work through leash skills. Niffler has pretty much no leash skills at this point um, because of where mm-hmm. we live. He's just like really not on leash much, and I just haven't been prioritizing it. And mm-hmm. I luckily, one of the friends that I was with is also um, she's working on her not KPA CPDT this year, I think, mm-hmm. um, and she saw that I was getting really frustrated and was like, why don't I take Barley? And she just like took Barley's leash so that I wasn't trying to manage 
both dogs at the same time and like (laughs) Niffler was pulling like a freight train and I was getting really frustrated because I could just Mm -hmm. hear myself in my head whenever I talked to my clients being like every time you let your puppy pull and you move forward you're teaching them to pull and I was just like oh my gosh he's never on leash and now that he's on leash he's just pulling really hard and I'm letting him do it because of the social pressure of like trying to work on loose leash walking (laughs) around other people is like storm almost impossible because you're stopping all the time and like I do a lot of like circling and moving backwards um when I'm working with loose loose leash walking it's just it's not practical and there were multiple times throughout the hike where I and we were only out for like maybe an hour um I was like maybe I just go back like and and I think that would have actually been the right choice because I could feel myself getting yeah, stressed. I could yeah. feel that tension in my chest and the back of my neck. And like I am so grateful that Rachel was there and was just like, "Why don't I just take Barley?" You know. And I think she would have happily taken Niffler, but I think it would have been more stressful for me um, to have yep. someone else handling him. Um, but yeah, I mean, like reef, like. Yeah, it's there are gonna be mistakes. You're doing the best you can. And sometimes mm-hmm. like you're just you're just in a situation. And like the thing is too with puppies, like if we're careful about it, like we're not going to build being aware of those reinforcement histories, I guess. So like I was getting really in my head last night about being worried about building a reinforcement history for pulling. I was really worried that I was just teaching Niffler to pull. And again, it's that curse of knowledge sort of thing. But that is so different from letting a dog pull for like three years before you decide that it's a problem. Yeah, like it was, was one yeah. walk. Yeah. We're I'm fine. Just like, <laughs> yeah. And, and he's going to pull like, like <laughs> this is that mindset of like, yes. And he's going to pull and you don't, ha- he doesn't have the skills yet. And at some point you'll work on that when that's a priority and, and, and right. It's like, yeah. it's the yes. And yeah. Right. it's like, yes, he was learning to pull. And he was like, he could like, if it increased in frequency, it was being <laughs> reinforced. But at the same time, like, And there's like all these other realities too that are just as important as like the one that we get like so stuck on that sends us down that, that, that rabbit hole for sure. Yeah. Well, and I'm even now, like, I can't believe I didn't notice this last night, but I was so fixated on his pulling last night that I like kind of forgot until just now that we saw two kids running up and down a hill and he didn't bark at them. We mm-hmm. walked past like six fenced dogs that were barking at him and he put his hackles up at one of them, but didn't bark at any of them. And like, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and there were so many awesome things that happened on this walk, but because I was so fixated on the fact that he was pulling on leash and I was frustrated by it, I didn't even notice. And again, like kids have been kind of an ongoing issue for us um, now. Mm-hmm yeah like it was amazing that he saw two kids running and screaming and he was just like oh okay you know yeah and i think that um that reminds me of we were going to talk about this later but um i think it's a really good uh, part right now is that if you are fixating on something right Mm -hmm. you then it's what's called a negativity bias, right? Like you're like, okay, I am going to fixate on the pulling. Oh, there it is. There it is. And you find data to support Mm -hmm. the fixation or that mindset that you have. And then you forget the other piece that like you, you, you're not looking through the lens to find other redeeming moments of the puppy or people, right? Like we do this all the time to one another. And Mm -hmm. um, this is why I love smart times 50 especially because, and whoever doesn't know that, so see Mark and reward training. It's by the amazing Kathy Sadeo. 
And it's really about just seeing like that is a skill in and of itself, seeing and finding those choices, marking them and reinforcing them. And I usually give that to puppy parents in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I usually give it to every, every client really. Um, but especially puppy parents, cause they have so much to do. <laughs> and if they just get bogged down by all the, like all that they don't have, they don't have the skills yet because like puppies don't come pre-programmed. Um, <laughs> they don't have all these, like they don't have a vocabulary or they don't have cues w- with their puppy. It's so easy for them to get like fixated on the thing and then not necessarily remember to mark and reinforce other stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure you did Kayla. Yeah. Like, I have no doubt that you also saw good things that were happening, but it's, it's so natural and normal for us to get so stuck in just the one thing. Like I used to years ago, used to describe Sully as like my reactive dog. And I was like, people would meet him and be like, wait, what? Like, he's lovely. I don't know. Like, I don't understand. What do you <laughs> yeah. mean? He's this reactive dog. And it was just cause I was just looking at him through that lens. Yeah. So I think that, um, yeah, you didn't say our like mindset is huge. I don't know. Yeah. Like, Oh, my, 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 my playful dog or my, yeah. Like my dog that can sometimes react to certain things when the conditions are poor or whatever. Right. I <laughs> yeah. just was like, it's like saying somebody is, you know, uh, my colleague's bossy It's like, well, maybe, but is that all who she is? Right. Is that all what she's doing? Um, and yeah. so, so yeah, I think our mindset is super important. Um, so I think that that is then going to impact how we show up and what our behavior is and whether or not we're going to mark something, whether or not we're, we're going to miss something. And so, um, I think focusing on that is hugely beneficial for all pet parents, right? Whether you, whether you have a new puppy or whether you have a dog that barks at the side of things, or you have a separation anxiety, whatever it is, right. It's, mm-hmm. or you just have a dog period. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Cause there's always something, um, always something, always something, even with, even with our perfect dogs. Cause there aren't yep. really perfect dogs. Um, no matter what yep. I tell Barley sometimes, um, <laughs> he definitely ran off after turkeys yesterday. <laughs> yeah. It's like, mom, was like, I'm a dog. Yeah. I was like, oops, <laughs> shouldn't have let you off leash when there was a dozen turkeys in our front yard. <laughs> like, what are you thinking, Kayla? <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, what a, and I think one of the other things that can come up, particularly maybe for um, that second type of puppy blues, where we're struggling to bond with our puppy, um, and we're not necessarily, I mean, I'm sure there's some amount of overwhelm in there, but it's also just like uncertainty about whether or not we like this. Um, what are some of our options for bonding with our puppy and kind of connecting with them and seeing seeing where that can lead us? Yeah, I think that this, this makes me think of... Um, finding the activity that is enriching for you and it is enriching for the dog or the puppy and noticing like how you like to connect. So, um, I have always bonded with Sully through nature hikes, right? So Mm -hmm. through decompression walks, like being out and like really doing a long, long hike. That is not, that is, I've had to really restructure what that looks like right now as he's aged. I mean, he can go on hikes with me, but they're very different. I have to do my, my physical exercise separate from him. Mm -hmm. Um, and so 
I have actually had to work through like, okay, how am I going to bond with him? I can't bond with him in this way. How can I bond with him mm-hmm. in a different way? Um, and I've had to get really creative with like, uh, I, I actually love to play with him. Um, and so I've done a lot more play with him and a lot more games with him instead of just like, okay, we're going to hop in the car and go for a hike. It was just super easy for us. So figuring out what it is that like fills you up on multiple levels, right? Like the hike was, uh, mental and physical enrichment for both of us. It was like decompression where we got we just got away from, well, I got away from my phone, right? I was in nature. Um, he was off leash. He had a great time. So it, it, it filled both of us up in a variety of different ways. Um, and we both really enjoyed doing it. And therefore I felt bonded with him when I was out doing that. So really trying to figure out like, what is it? How do you bond? Like, do you bond through physical touch with your dog? Do Mm -hmm. you bond through training? Do you bond through play? Do you bond through walks? Like when do you feel most connected to your dog? And that's a question that I ask a lot of my clients. And a lot of times it's actually like when they're snuggling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so how can you, in order for you to get to the road with your puppy where you're snuggling, how can you provide them with what they need so that their needs are met, they can regulate, they can relax and they can snuggle with you. Right. So (laughs) yeah, I, I, I do think it is focusing on what is it that you, what fills you up? How do you feel bonded? When do you feel most connected? Um, and does that actually, like, is that the same thing that, that your dog needs as well? And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a mismatch. Like I'm experienced, like I was experiencing with Sully and sort of reframing my experience. Um, and then sometimes it is a complete match and that's ideal, right? You're totally, you're, you're, you're bonding, meeting your needs, meeting your dog's needs. So I think it's asking, when do you feel most connected and being really aware of that and then cultivating experiences for that moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love, you know, really thinking through for a lot of us, we want to love our puppies. Our our brains are wired to love baby animals and want to mm-hmm. care for them. So really thinking through, you know, in some cases, like maybe we're not sure yet what we love about our puppy or what makes us feel connected to our puppies, particularly maybe if you're a first time dog owner or if your puppy is really different from your last dog. So maybe then what pay, paying attention to what really lights up your puppy and seeing if you can learn to love that. You know, I know that that's kind of honestly my story with getting into scent work with Barley was I wanted to do agility. I wanted to do the fast, sexy sport. Um, Mm -hmm. And I started getting into nose work because I was on a wait list for an agility class and saw how much he loved it and saw Mm -hmm. how, how much he excelled at it. And now now I love it, but it, it actually was a little bit of a process of learning to love it because I noticed how much it made my dog happy. And, you know, that isn't always going to happen, but I think that's also, you know, we're not all going to love everything that our dogs love. And sometimes things that our dogs yeah. love are not safe or not appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're looking at you, some of our, our terriers and sight hounds, like, you know, maybe maybe you're not allowed to go and kill the rats or uh, chase down the, the deer But, you know, how can we think about what fills your dog's cup and lights your dog up in a way that's appropriate and can make you guys feel connected and you can help facilitate that fun for your dog and also really meet their their needs as far as, you know, their their breed heritage or their genetic Mm -hmm. heritage, because they didn't choose that. But 
in a lot of ways, they really, they really need that. And I know I'm, you know, see every podcast with Kim Brophy in it for more on that. Um, Yep. Seriously. Yeah. Um, So yeah. What about, what about when we're not sure if it's working or when we might feel like we need extra help? How do we know that? What do we need to do? Um, Yeah. Yeah. What are our options there? Yeah. I think, um, I think if you, if you've tried all the things in this episode, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you've taken the break, you've gotten the space, you're trying all the things you, you, you feel like it's not working. Um, I, I just recently had a client, um, where the end decision after three sessions was that she was going to rehome the puppy. Mm Um, and this was, this was a person that was so committed. She was doing all the things and she didn't have a break. She finally got a break. And and she had a moment where she was like, you know what, Marissa, like, I, I think I need to rehome this puppy. Mm-hmm. And it was a Cavalier King Charles. So it's like, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get it rehomed in the snap of my Yeah, Um, Yeah. you're like, okay, I've already got a wait list. (laughs) And actually, Kristen Elliott has it now. Really? Oh, that's awesome. Yes, yes. So one of my best friends has it, um, and her little two-year-old daughter and this puppy are, I mean, it is just this serendipitous, amazing thing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so cute. But um, this woman was just like, she would leave the puppy, go sit in a parking lot, and just cry because she was so overwhelmed, which Mm -hmm. A, like, I made sure to click and treat the heck out of the fact that she left and didn't mm-hmm. project or like take any of that out on the puppy. She was like, mm-hmm. okay, I need to go for a drive. I need to do, take a break. I need to talk to somebody else. I need to create space from the situation. I need to like create space for me to have all these emotions. And she called me and she just said, you know, I really don't think that this is the right thing for me. And it's like, all right, well, let's see if we can remove the puppy from your home for a few days and give you an actual like, break. Um, and luckily we were able to facilitate that. And within 48 hours, she was like, no, I'm still really clear like this. This is too much for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I trust you, Marissa, and I trust that you'll rehome this puppy in, in, in a really good way. And so, um, and it, it worked out and she, she very much still feels, um, solid about her decision. Yeah. And I think it's really important that like, you know, us as trainers, that we create a really safe place that like, that is also an option. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that maybe trainers that work in shelters are really familiar with that as an option, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah. But that is totally an option that if, if this is not right for you, whether you're not bonding with this puppy, uh, you know, I have some clients that are like, I'm really connected to my one dog, but we got this other dog and now I'm not really connected to that dog. It's like, I'm not saying rehoming is always the option, but it is an option. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you give people space, you give people that space that like, Hey, there's another option that where you're not going to feel trapped. Sometimes they're like, Oh great. I actually feel less trapped and now I can commit to this situation. So it's this, mm-hmm. it's this weird change in mindset that, you know, when you feel trapped, you want to resist it. But if you have an option, to potentially rehome, or if, you know, if, if that's the right thing for you, it is that space that we keep talking about on this podcast that like can help you regroup. Absolutely. Um, I've got a call with a client later tonight about 
what actually, uh, no, in an hour, um, about, yeah, like rehoming and trying to decide whether or not that's the right choice for them and their dog. And this, in this case, it's an adult dog and they're, I think they're struggling with aggression towards kids. Um, and, you know, yeah. so we're going to be having a discussion about whether or not, like, this dog would really just thrive in a home without kids yep. and would be safer in a home without kids. And I think that's one of the other things that we can talk about, about when we're seeking extra help. Because sometimes, like, generally in th- throughout this podcast, we've been talking about puppy blues as, like, a normal part of puppy raising. But sometimes you're also feeling something akin to puppy blues because you've got a truly challenging or difficult puppy. Um, mm-hmm. and that is another time where it's really important to seek extra help. If your puppy is growling or barking or just dis- doing any like threat displays, um, serious fears or phobias, you know, those are all times where a, we want to get help right away and B, mm-hmm. you know, thinking through whether or not we're the right the home for that dog. You know, I have another client mm-hmm. that just reached out to me a couple days ago, um, and they've got a working line Aussie, um, who is having meltdowns about just about everything in New York city. Um, you know, and this isn't yeah. a bad dog, but it might be a really bad situation for that dog or a bad dog for yeah. that situation, you know, whichever way you want to frame it. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, the same goes for puppies. Sometimes we, we you know, and, and it's okay to admit that you were wrong about, you know, choosing a puppy or choosing a breed um, on just the fit isn't right. And sometimes that is genuinely like a, a concern for the puppy long-term because of something developmental or temperamental with the dog. And sometimes it's just a fit thing. And a, and a really good behavior consultant can help you figure that out and help you kind of parse mm-hmm. out whether this is like, oh, you know, this is just not a great fit for you. Or like, Ooh, actually, this is kind of concerning long-term for this puppy's, you know, behavior. Yeah. And I would say like, in terms of all of those were excellent points that I think it's like, if you try something and, and the, the situation or the problem is persistent, like that is also mm-hmm. like, that's also very much a cue for you to reach out for help. Right. Like you're, like you're saying, it's like, don't just chalk this up to like, Oh, it's a put like, there's so many times people, uh, clients will say, well, he'll just grow out of it. And I actually usually tell my clients, he may, but I actually don't want you to operate from that mindset because it, 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 it could lead to that. You, you don't do anything about it. You don't address it. And then it honestly could lead to a bigger mm-hmm. issue. I'd rather you be proactive about it and, um, address it right away than not. And so, I don't know. I just think if you, if you're seeing a persistent challenge, Mm-hmm. especially like Kayla said, like threat displays, anything like that, where the dog is uncomfortable with things in your environment and it's not, it's not going away. Um, definitely reach out for support. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, I think like, I'm glad we mentioned the growing out of it sort of thing, or, you know, in my stranger danger mm-hmm. episode, we talked about a little bit, the difference between a fear period and stranger danger, because I think a lot of times things get written off as like, Oh, it's just a fear period or, Oh, he's going to grow out of it. And I don't know if anyone, yeah. I'm sure someone would, but most people would not say, Oh, my dog is going to grow out of house soiling. They understand that that is an ongoing thing that needs to actually be taught. Um, But it gives a lot of these things that we address as our puppies are growing and aging gives the illusion that the dog is growing out of it because time is linear. (laughs) Um, So as you're working through things and it gets better Mm -hmm. as your puppy ages, 
sometimes like age does contribute, you know, your puppy's neurochemical maturity in their brain can contribute to things. But in most cases, the puppy quote unquote growing out of something is actually a product of you changing the environment to help them succeed. You know, you're again, like Mm -hmm. your puppy doesn't grow out of peeing on the floor they learn how to do it over time and their bladder control gets better as they grow. Yeah. But it's not that like six month old dogs just magically automatically know not to pee indoors. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Although that would be nice. Yeah. I think that it's a, it's a dangerous phrase and I Mm -hmm. usually sort of like rework that phrase with my clients because I feel like it can, it can almost cultivate like a laziness too. Right. Like, yeah well, I'll just grow out of it. I'll just wait. I'll just cross my fingers and wait for that day. It's like, well, I don't, I don't know if that's the the approach. Yeah. Yeah. And again, even the things where they do, like, I would say like developmentally, most dogs as they age get less mouthy. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you keep playing that game with them, even if it's unintentional of having them bite at your sleeves or chew on your pants or gnaw on Uh your fingers or anything like that, that is not going to facilitate that behavior decreasing over time. And it, you know, then we also, we look at certain breed groups where they're unlikely to grow out of it or just Mm -hmm. the fact that they might not truly mature until they're three years old. And at that point you've got a 70 pound dog who's still mouthing you. So, you know, and, and I, as people who have worked in the shelter, you know, we've all run into seven-year-old dogs that are still just as mouthy as, you know, your your average puppy. Mm-hmm. So, again, even these things where it's like, yeah, you know, like most dogs do just get less mouthy as they get older. That does not mean that you want to assume that yeah. it'll get better. Um, 100%. Do you have anything else you wanted to add um, or anything else we wanted to address as we're kind of wrapping up here, Marissa? No, I think we I think we talked about some good topics today from the human perspective, which you know I love. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So I know we mentioned up at the top where people can find you online, but you want to remind us where people can find uh, Lima Beans and uh, uh, the Puppy Connect or the Connection Summit, not Puppy Connection Summit. <laughs> Oh, that would be fun though. That would sure would be. Uh, yeah. So you can visit everything is on my website, pauseandreward.com. That's um, the and is all spelled out. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and at, and it's pause and reward the same. Excellent. And you can also find my podcast like every, every, yeah, everything's on the website. Just go there. Okay. Yeah. Super easy. Yeah. And we'll, we'll drop shop. in all the links um, in our show notes so people can find those. And our show notes are available on journeydogtraining.com. If you kind of hover over podcasts, then you'll see both of the podcast options. So this is the Pandemic Puppy podcast. So choose that there. Um, and thank you guys for listening. So if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe and review and consider supporting the podcast by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash pandemic puppy you can sign up for the puppy raising blueprint course over at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint which is a full course all about all things puppies and puppy raising um and then you can join that free pandemic puppy raising support group on facebook so you've got lots and lots of options for further learning and further connection with us um thanks again for coming on marissa this was so fun thank you this was so fun i appreciate it